Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Leadership Journey with Bill Search. Well, welcome to the Leadership Journey. I'm your host, Bill Search, and it is my thrill to introduce to you today Marjorie and Nick Allen. They serve as ministers of the Welsh Sheffield in England, and they are the authors of a newly released book, The XYZ of Discipleship. And I don't know about you, whenever I see a book on discipleship, I grab it. And in particular, when it is a resource designed to help us reach the next generation. And so, Nick, Marjorie, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's great to be with you, Bill. Thank you. And I just said you're authors and you pastor a church in Sheffield, England, but I didn't share much else. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and uh, tell us a little bit about the well and even your ministry to this next generation. Sure. So um, the well is in a city called Sheffield. It's in the middle of England. Uh, we are. Uh, we were talking earlier, Bill, about your background. We're, we're not, not dissimilar. So we're in a kind of post-industrial a city that's redesigning itself for the 21st century. Uh, and there are lots of young adults uh, where we live. So we, we have two universities uh, right in the middle of the, the city where we happen to live, where, the, where we have a church. Uh, that, and we, uh, we've lived here ourselves for, for 20-ish years now. Uh, I grew up as a, as a young adult here in a, in a church with a, a strong discipleship culture. I was raised through um, and released early into leadership myself. Uh, and uh, Marjorie and I have been leading and, and calling people uh, originally from Generation X, which was our generation, and now we find ourselves in that position of leadership and, and, and wanting to, to raise young adults ourselves. Um, and we uh, planted this new church about five years ago. In fact, it's our five-year birthday coming yep, up this month, weekend. Yep. And uh, it's a really fun setting for us. We, we are in an old church building. It's an old Methodist building. Uh, over about 100 years old, right on the street that now is right in the city centre with all the cafes and bars, the hub of, of social life uh, of this urban centre. And so we there we are as God's presence to disciple a new generation. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago when people were talking about this young generation X. And now we're parents, we're trying to save money to put our kids through college, and there's a new young generation coming along. And uh, when I read your book, one of the things that I just smiled throughout is you address some of the, the stereotypes, some of the things that are true and some of the things that are not true. Because I just remember it was 20, 25 years ago when people were saying all sorts of terrible things about how bad Gen X was. And oh. now, now we're kind of running the place. So we apparently turned out all right somewhat. And uh, gives me hope for this next generation. So I just want to start there. What are some of the stereotypes that are said about this next generation that aren't true? Maybe some of the ones that that do fit. Sure. I, I mean, I I presume that it is the same in the U.S. press, but certainly in the U.K. I think for a number of years, the millennial generation or, or those known as Generation Y received a lot of bad press. 
and they were dubbed words such as um, snowflakes, that they were flaky in character, that they didn't commit too much, they were narcissistic, pleasure-driven, self-centered, uh, they self-regeneration, and uh, some of that, some of it is true. Uh, but I think a lot, as we spent time with this generation, we felt that much was unfair and that it was vital as well that as we as the church in the UK began to see through a different lens, began to see this generation as the father sees them and to see some of the things that were dubbed as negative as actually their potential in life. And we've had real fun with that, with, with turning the lens, so to speak, to let me give you an example. Uh, they, they're known as the generation that maybe doesn't work as hard as their predecessors. You know, they, 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 I've often read how they clock watch throughout the day and they leave the office early and it annoys Generation X, their seniors, who are working in some of these corporate firms until late in the night. And you could see it like that. Or you could see that these are, are very creative young people who work on the go, who do their emails in a cafe queue, who have great dreams as they sit in cafes and maybe not offices and who really believe in that whole life balance and are just choosing to lead their life differently to maybe they, how they've seen our generation lead our lives and make choices. And sometimes they're not wrong in the choices they're making. So it's really important for us as the generation above them, I guess, to, to have that sense of open-mindedness as we consider some of these traits and perhaps how true they are or not. I really appreciate you pointed out and just a great reminder for those of us that are approaching this with that ministry mindset to see them as the father sees them, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to actually recognize that we, we shouldn't look with a worldly lens, but with a Christian lens, with a God honoring lens. And, um, into your, uh, your query about whether or not, uh, this generation between England and the United States has similarities. I, I read your book. I didn't find anything in there that I thought. Well, that's probably more England than the United States. I kind of yeah. think that this is a universal. These these young people have grown up under very similar circumstances, at least in the Western world, that is. Yeah, Nick, what would, what would you add to that? What would you say to, you know, what are some of their best features? What is it that you love about working with this yeah. young generation? Yeah, as you say, Bill, I think there's a, a globalized generation uh, in many ways. Now they share the same cultural influences and so on, and some of the same language and, and outlook. And one of the things that we love is is is, is actually a positive kind of can can do outlook to this generation. So um, I, I would say Generation X, uh, we 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 were often accused of being cynical and uh, kind of stepping back, dropping out, as it were, from uh, from actually solving some of society's problems. What I see in the 20-somethings and the teenagers around me is people who want to stand up and make a change. And, they, and they, they firmly believe that they can be the difference. And so you get the, uh, a generation that's cause-driven. And so it might be um, environmental causes or, or social justice. Uh, we're seeing uh, causes around racism right now, um, causes like um, inclusion, radical inclusion and love. And, and these guys will stand up and say, no, no, this is this. What you're doing is not OK. And I, I love that. And, and actually, there are very many kingdom seeds within that. You know, these are people who are looking for a better world and they want to do it collaboratively. They believe in the strength of community. Um, all these things that actually we see if we look in the in the New Testament, in the early church, 
there are a lot of seeds for the kingdom of God in, in the present, in the, in the, in the rising generations. And, and that's yeah, what really excites me. That really rings true in, in my own personal life. Just last night, I spent time talking to my second year university student daughter who was in tears because she had seen a documentary about injustice where a wrongfully convicted man spent time in prison and it bothered her to the point of tears. And I thought, you know, as you said, Gen X, we tend to be a little maybe cynical. And so I thought this is marvelous that she actually feels how God feels at injustice. That deep caring. Yeah. I I found that to mark. That's a really interesting example I think that this generation is deeply moved with compassion in a way maybe that amongst my peers, we, we sometimes took the attitude, what difference could we make? What difference would one voice make? And I noticed that with our teenagers and their peers and, and many of the students around us, their attitude is we're going to be moved by the pain of others and one voice can make a real difference. Another thing we love about this generation is that they are really looking for integrity and authenticity. So I think what, it, what our, what, how we lead our lives and what we say and whether it matches with what they see is, is very significant. And I think they choose who they will follow on that basis as well. So being vulnerable, being authentic, allowing our lives to be an open book, so to speak, sometimes not always having the answers and being real about that, what we're struggling with or where we've got it wrong. As we do that, we have an opportunity to disciple. Uh, but but they say that they value authenticity, and I think we found that to be very significant and absolutely true. And that's one for the church to really take note of in these times. What a what an interesting contrast, because we're the same generation, uh, the three of us, It's a fascinating contrast that we sort of grew up with that cynical, like, well, they can't, you know, the, 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 those in the authority can't really be trusted. And this generation grows up with the expectation that they should be trusted and are, are bothered when they're not. So it might even explain some of the tension between the generations here where we go, such as the world and they respond, it shouldn't be that way which just coming back to that kingdom mindset, they're right. That, that's, that's, and it, isn't that exciting? Because that's the kind of thing that Jesus called his young adult first disciples into. You know, he said, I've got a cause that's worth dying for. You know, sign up to this, follow me, let's change the world. That is, that is music to the ears of people in their 20s and teens today. And they really believe it. They believe they can be the answer. And, and as you say, they want to hold those in power uh, to account uh, but also so, uh, the, another trait would be that um, this is a creative generation. Uh, this is an entrepreneurial generation. They start their own businesses. Um, you know, they, they, they are artisans. They'll make their own stuff. And, they, and so they, they, they are capable, I really believe this, uh, uh, as if, if, if they, you know, we can bring them into the kingdom of heaven, um, of, of bringing creative solutions to many of social problems and challenges of, of, of what's coming to us in, in the years to come. I, I think this, oh, sorry, Marjorie. So it, I was only going to just mention that I think it's interesting that this generation is very aware of human weakness, and they have seen many leaders topple off their, their pedestal, so to speak, and felt let down by what they've seen 
across society. And, and we see that in, in many of the, the cries for it to be different, for example, in the, the Me Too movement. Um, and what I think is, is different in the two generations, when I was growing up, young adults were still very drawn to say that the charismatic figure on the stage, uh, the authority figure, uh, the celebrity leader or celebrity pastor, etc. And we find that, that times have changed in that respect. Uh, often with the young adults around us, they're less drawn uh, to the celebrity folk, but, but much keener to follow those around them who, whose lives they can get around in the nitty-gritty of life. And so that's an interesting shift in that way. What a great observation. And, and when you think about the celebrities, even in the celebrity pastor category, that story after story after story of failure that has uh, reminded me that God does not polish our idols. The, mm -hmm. the people we set up on a pedestal, he will not have it. Well, th this leads to kind of a real question is, is what should be the attitude of the leadership when they approach this next generation? And you hinted at this, but we have to have a, a certain attitude if we want to have a ministry to this next generation. What, what, what is the attitude that we ought to adopt? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's that kingdom perspective of what could be for a start uh, and not to wring our hands and despair. Uh, you know, often, certainly in, in, in our nation, they're called the missing generation. Um, I, I believe that, that there's, a there's generally a decline in, in attendance and um, engagement in the States as well at the moment. Certainly You're that right. Will, that will work its way through in the, in the years to come. Um, but that is, um, that's never Jesus' perspective on how to look at things. <laughs> He's always a glass half full person. So, that would be my, my first take. Um, and I think um, there's a change in terms of uh, we're no, um, let's not seek to do it for people. Um, yes, we, we, we have a leadership role or, or it may be a mentoring role or a coaching role. But, but actually, these generations um, respond best to uh, being empowered to do it for themselves. Uh, and so, for example, with the young adults and, and the college students that we have uh, around us, um, they probably wouldn't respond well to me saying, I want you to do this. Uh, but, but, but what we do instead is to say, hey, what's on your heart? You know, what are you dreaming for? What are you passionate about? How can I empower you to step into that? And, and, and we still have the role as leaders of setting the framework. We say this is what the kingdom of God looks like. You know, these are the values of the Bible. You know, this is, we're not empowering people into crazy dreams or dangerous or illegal dreams. But, mm -hmm. but you're helping people to see where does your story fit within the bigger story, the big story of God, uh, and empowering people to, to, to do it themselves, to do it collaboratively today. Uh, and, and, and then as, as leaders, you have to step back a little bit at that point, and you realize that well, some of these outcomes won't look like the way I would do it. You know? um, they might not come to the same conclusions. Uh, again, this is why we stay with the Bible and you know, we stay with those biblical principles but I, I, I guess there's a level of, um, of not expecting to control and be in control of the outcome that I think will be much more fruitful with, with the people that we're talking about nowadays. And that, that's affected our leadership and how we operate, for example, in, in leading the church. So about a decade ago, we, we led a relatively large young adult church and we, we used to present vision every year. Some of your listeners will be familiar with contexts such as this. And we went out and we tell the church, this is the vision. This is what we're all going to do. You know, we're going to focus on the young and the poor, etc. And these are the specific plans. 
And uh, I guess our expectation was that we were hoping that the church would really come in behind that and we'd all work together. And now in this generation, we operate in, in a slightly different way. Our emphasis is much more on culture. And just as Nick sharing, uh, creating a culture where they are empowered to hear from God and to run. And we're, we're creating the playing field for them to do so. And I think that that is probably a better approach. As I think of some of our key young adult leaders who've actually uh, set out and done wonderful things for the kingdom of God. I think it was vital that we got behind them rather than the other way around. So that has been a shift in our thinking. Uh, humility is key, isn't it? I think often that the generation that goes ahead of one generation tends to see the negative or the weak traits. And with that certain, that sense of slight smugness, you know, they don't see what they're like and I know better. And I guess we've got to ditch that if we're really going to see as the father sees and realise we didn't necessarily have the whole picture. We continue to not have the whole picture. And these guys can inform our thinking a lot of, of, as to where we have our blind spots. Wow, what a what a what a um, actually refreshing way of approaching ministry, truly. Because even as you mentioned, you know, for the longest time we've been fascinated with vision and talked vision, but instead, this younger generation is more fascinated with establishment of culture, and uh, it's good timing. Because I don't know about you, I got I started to get worn out on vision personally. Mm-hmm. I started to feel like a failure because it just felt like I was fantasizing in my visions, not, you know, accomplishing something. So addressing what we can address, the cultural element and and reaching them that way. And uh, there's still a place for vision, of course, but uh, just to sort of retool that in a way that that, uh, keeps the mission in front of us. So just a great reminder that the way we view other people will really reflect on how we minister to them. I'm, I'm reminded of something uh, Henry Nouwen wrote in a book about the, the Desert Fathers. He basically said, the way we view people is how we're going to treat them. So mm-hmm. just having the proper view of them, that will make a big difference. Well, let me shift gears into a real practical piece here, because a lot of the people tuning in are deep in the trenches of small groups. You know, they're either leading a small group planning to lead a small group or they're leading a small group ministry. And so one of the questions they might ask is, do small groups still work with this generation? Is it relevant? And if so, how do you best uh, engage these young people in small groups? Well, I I think the answer, the first part uh, in answering that question is to say that the small is very significant for today. We believe certainly with this situation that's no different for uh, the US with COVID-19 at the moment, where we can't have the same crowds of people uh, packed in locations and uh, deliver talks to to thousands or to hundreds from the one stage, and that is somewhat limited. The small is where I think uh, we will really see God begin to move. So for small group leaders and listening, what we're saying to our community leaders here in the UK, this is a very significant time for the, the mid-sized group going forward and the time through which we think God will really move, such as in New Testament times. So where do young adults fit into that? Well, I think we've found along the way that this generation uh, loves us to come alongside them and to journey with them. They're not a generation that appreciates, as we've mentioned, being told what to do with the kind of 
preaching attitude, or, or even a set kind of set of notes. You know, this is what this is what we're going to cover in tonight's small group. That doesn't even go down well with, with our fellow. With our what, what a shame! You know, and that was so effective, wasn't it? I mean, it was so effective to tell people what to do, and they would uh, nod their heads in agreement and then not do it. So at least right. they're honest up front. Course, we lied. He asked more questions than he ever answered. Didn't he do this? So. So they yeah. love questions. They love an environment where they can come and ask questions. We recommend to all our small groups in our church that you always eat together because eating together is family, life around the table, you know, whatever that looks like, whether people eat home meals or uh, they eat desserts and puddings together, etc. There's something of the heart and life that gets shared around the table. It's just family. And as we disciple we find that some of the best conversations happen around the dishwasher, around the kitchen sink, around the table. So we create an environment where people can be open, which is slightly different to just coming in and doing, say, a Bible study or a prescriptive set of questions. They, they love to ask questions. We spoke actually to a ministry school in the States on the East Coast last year, and it was full of young people. And I, I was struck by the questions. They had so many questions around faith and culture, and what we believed about healing, etc. So they're not lacking in, in, in hunger for knowledge and hunger for God in that way. It's just creating environments where they can ask those questions in a safe way. Well, one of the things that you share in the book is this really compelling story of, a, as I recall, it's a young man who, um, who spent time in the garden of an older lady if I remember the story correctly, okay. and just the profound impact that she had had on him, what would you say to the person who says, uh, you know, I'm just not cool enough to, uh, to, to be around these people. I, I'm, you know, 60 years old or I'm 50 years old and, and uh, they, I just don't even know where to begin. They're going to think I'm hmm. not cool enough. What would you say to that person? Yeah, um, I'd say it's probably the opposite is true today. Uh, never discount yourself um, to do with age or, or life experience or background. It's just not true. And, and it's a it's a delusion or, or a lie almost that we're telling ourselves now. Um, but if you, um, I, I, what I have found is that people in their 20s, people in their teenage years now are really hungry to connect across the generations. Um, so they will welcome people who are way older and completely different Um because, as I say, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot less hierarchy uh, anyway in the way that uh, these generations perceive the world. Um, you may be older, but you're not necessarily seen as an elder and so on uh, today. Uh, and so they're welcome contributions. Um, there's always a role for that mentoring. So the story that you talk about is a, is a, a lady, I, I guess she wasn't in her 50s or 60s, and um, this young lad in his late teens, who was a, a fairly, had a bit of a troubled background, um, but he would come to this this uh, family friend's garden, sit and just pour his heart out to her. And uh, it turned out uh, in, in years to come that she had been the biggest influence. Effectively, she'd been discipling him, um, uh, even though they were very different from each other. And, and that's the key, isn't it? Jesus calls us to uh, raise disciples who raise disciples who raise disciples. And everyone can do that. We all have an authentic story to tell. Uh, and these generations are the, the show and tell generation. They're looking for an experience of God. You and I can can help people have an experience of God and, and the power of the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, and they're looking for authenticity. Does this person have a story? Are they trustworthy? Can I believe what they're saying? Can I see it in action? Uh, and so just as Jesus did, he called people to follow him. 
Uh, and we, uh, um, I, I would say to, it, it doesn't matter whether you're, I mean, who's cool anyway these days. I, I thought I was cool. It turned out my children told me I'm not. Can't believe it. <laughs> it's one of the um, rudest things our kids say to us. But... Uh, yeah. Um, and so never discount yourself. Uh, actually, it's about are you available? Uh, will you give time? Does, can the person see that you care about them and that, and that you love them? Uh, and that goes also for people who are perhaps wanting to start from scratch. You know, there may be some church contexts or small group contexts where people don't have many young adults around them anymore. Um, that that shouldn't be uh, a major reason not to have a go either. I think a great starting point. Uh, sorry, but I was just going to mention if some a listener is thinking, well, where do you start? How would I ever get access to the human discipleship journey so that's a great question that's great um, well, just two examples I've seen this very month in our context uh, one was with a lady in her 50s one with a lady in their 70s the starting point was telling their story so today's generation is a generation that loves the narrative of time the narrative of the God story uh, and so having confidence in the big story, so knowing the story, the biblical story, and also confidence in your own story. And it doesn't have to be uh, an, an amazing story of having left a rebellious life and dramatic conversion, but just having confidence in what Jesus has done for you and looking for opportunities to share that. So with both these uh, women, in, one in um, their 50s and one in their 70s, they happened to share their story with young people and it opened a door. In one of the cases, she shared her story with a student that she met uh, in the centre of the city and they invited the student to dinner and they shared their testimony again around the table and the student was fascinated and asked some questions and so they invited the student to explore the Bible story and their story within the Bible story. And so essentially they set up a Bible study and the student then invited their friends to come and ask the big questions of life. And the result is we have disciples on a journey. Um, so I, I love things like that because it shows we don't have to be cool. We don't have to have a ton of resources. It's just looking for opportunities. One of the things that I really loved in your book is this sense of hope. And, and that's, that really struck me because so often in the conversation about this next generation, there's the criticism, there's the uh, barriers, but over and over and over, I found myself as I was reading your book thinking, I could do this. I, I, I can, I can do this. And so it was a very encouraging and hopeful aspect. So last question, what would you, what would you tell people? not to do. So I just said, built it up with hope. Now I turn negative because I'm a Gen Xer. So <laughs> what, what would you say, you know, this is not the thing to do. Instead, do this. Well, I mean, we have to be, it is, that's a big, that's a whole big question. We could write another book on that one, eh? Um, hey, there's your sequel. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good idea. Um, I mean, one thing is is um, we have to be brave and we have to not do what we've always done. Uh, and there are there are church programs and you know they they have worked, but uh, people in their twenties and their teens are pretty radically different these days. Uh, and so uh, I would say let's be brave and let's try different methodologies. Uh, and they always come down to personal availability and relationship. 
beyond everything else. So, um, uh, yeah, there's one thing. Uh, I think another thing for me is that not to sit down and lack hope. So hope has been really tested across the Western world right now. And people are desperately looking for hope. They're, they'll sniff it out in you if you are aligning with the hope of Jesus, because they're, they're longing for it, both the churched and unchurched young people. So if we carry hope within our spirits, it will be hugely attractive. And I think one of the important things, I remind myself of this, and we wrote a little bit about it in the book, that it begins with me and how I'm following Jesus, who who leads us into the most exciting, radical, adventurous life possible. And this generation is longing for that. And I often just pause and uh, assess my life and, and look, to what degree is that actually true? Do, do I look like a radical follower of Jesus? Because I think that's key to what I'm inviting others into and who will want to follow and who will want to imitate. And that's a challenging question uh, right here today. But I think that's a great starting point Am I following radical Jesus? Because if I am, it doesn't matter what age I am or what I look like, etc. that people will want to follow because they are longing for, for that sense of experience uh, and this generation more than ever. What a terrific place to culminate our conversation, just as a reminder of uh, hinting at the words of the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. And while that sounds simple, it's incredibly profound. And so thank you. We have been talking with Nick and Marjorie Allen. They pastor the Well Sheffield, England, and they are the authors of the XYZ of Discipleship, Understanding and Reaching Generations Y and Z. I highly encourage you to pick it up wherever fine books are sold. You can also find it on Amazon, of course. So Nick, Marjorie, thank you for carving out the time and sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Bill. It's, it's just been great. Uh, and this is the sort of thing that brings us alive. So thank you for talking. Thank you. Oh, love your heart and bless those yeah. leaders listening. Go for it. Well, I've been Bill Search. Well, I'm not have been. I am Bill Search and I've been your host. And you have been listening to The Leadership Journey. Until next time. Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer and Small Group Network creative arts director. Thank you so much to Bill for that great episode of Leadership Journey, and thank you to our special guest, Nick and Marjorie Allen. Now, before we go, let's talk about some great events coming up that you will not want to miss. Our first event of the new year will be an Accelerate Small Group Workshop in Houston on January 26th through 27th, and you still have time to lock in that super early bird price. Next, we have our annual Lobby Gathering Conference held at the stunning Rancho Capistrano Retreat Center on February 23rd through 25th. I'll tell you what, that is one of my favorite places on the planet. You can get $100 off the current price now by using the code FLASHSALE in all caps. That is Flash Sale in all caps through the end of this month. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash events to lock in these great savings today. And thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.